you guys all been good and practicing real hard. Yeah. Clients, you've been, you've been rehearsing real hard now. So Santa bring you a new saxophone, right? Everybody out there been good or what? Oh, that's not many, not many. You Sweet, that's not many. Not many, not many. So I'm pausing before we even get to the song, just because that's a part of the song <laughs> that annoys our friend Noreen. <laughs> I think it annoyed you, it, or it annoyed you, didn't it? Not many, not many. So uh, if you're listening to this well after the fact, uh, it's Christmas. Today's Christmas. So Merry Christmas for those of you who uh, celebrate Christmas. That means that Santa Claus has already come to town. That's right. Santa's sleeping now. That's right. Um, so welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 472. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. We're going to have a slightly abbreviated show today sure. because, you know, it's Christmas. We feel like kind of taking a little bit of a break, but not so much of a break that we don't do a Christmas episode. That makes sense. We're going to take a break, but still do a podcast. A small break. Yeah. Oh, give me a break. I sure deserve it. Trying to make it to the top. Is that the words? Mel Carter. It's right. A show I watched and thought it was really good. And now if I watched it right now, I think it would be really bad. Yeah, well, again, I think it's similar to last week when you talked about Too Close for Comfort. We didn't have a ton of choices. No, we didn't. We had channel 2579. We just watched 11. what we watched. It wasn't like, hey, do you want to watch this or that? Yeah. It was just, did you watch And this? then at the end of the day, it would be, they would do the national anthem yeah. and then it would just be snow. Like TV would be over. For the day, and then it would start up the next morning. Like in Poltergeist. In Poltergeist. It's, I think about the same thing. I know, because Craig T. Nelson fell asleep, and then... They, Bad and things happen. Um, so uh, we are also going to do a New Year's Day show, so make sure you tune in next week. It'll be a little bit different. We're going to play clips from uh, some of our Zen Talks. Is New Year's Day on a Tuesday, too? Yeah, it's Tuesday, Tuesday. Wow. That's the way it works. Cool. Um, so, sweetie, why don't you explain what the topic is this week? So um, I wanted to talk about... Christmas and how sometimes we can um, experience some darkness around Christmas for various reasons. And I want to talk about, can I launch in or are yeah, you trying I to think, just give no, me? No, I think we, let's, let's launch. Okay. Because I say the word darkness and I feel like people are like, what? It's Christmas. Um, of course. And it is also, there's also a ton of light, mm -hmm. you know, like I, it's funny to even have this conversation because, you know, when you think about Christmas, you think about people decorate their houses with light and they put their lights on the tree. People and, sing at church because they know the words. Yes. <laughs> they light candles. Um, they, you know, like there's, there is light is very much associated yeah, with celebration. Um, the celebration of Christmas. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to get down to all the religious reasons and the sure. birth of Jesus, even though that's obviously, you know, the reason, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it just, it's the way we celebrate as yeah. a whole. It, there's a lot of light. What I think though is interesting is that we don't pay as much attention to the dark. Mm. Um, those of us who live in the Midwest mm. and other places too, but I'm going to focus on where I live in Chicago, we have, we experience the four seasons yeah. in their, their um, entirety. Yes. Meaning that obviously everyone knows the four seasons and lives them, but some people live in a place where it's Hawaii. hot year round. Yeah. Right. Right. Or Florida or wherever, you know, and, um, we experience the actual shifting of the seasons mm -hmm. and something that um, when people ask why we live in Chicago because it's so cold or I love the four seasons. Mm. 
I really, I, part of it is because it's my history and it's yeah. my life and my family's here. And part of it's because I like the cycles. Yeah. I like the body cycles of the four seasons. So I love the sun. Don't get me wrong. And I love breaks from Chicago winters. Um, I get it. Like no one has to convince me of the challenges, but that's exactly what I want to talk about is we run from that. <laughs> Like, okay, I'm talking about the four seasons, but I'm also talking about challenge and mm. darkness sometimes. So real quick before we jump into how the metaphors connect, like what's cool about the four seasons is in wintertime in Chicago, things get covered with snow and things fall asleep and it's- Things get dark at five. Gets dark earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, in the fall, like the trees shed leaves. Like there right. is just like this organic, cool, universal, energetic, natural. I think process. natural is the best word because it's not like it's something new. Yeah. This is what things do. Like we are, it's not like we're like, wow, this is interesting. This is how it's always worked. Yeah. And we are part of that process, yes. meaning that's how we work and cycle also. All connected. All connected. So the four seasons to me, I like being in the nature version of it because I then it's, even though we all go through it, even if you live in sunny California somewhere, you all, you go through it, but I get the visual interpretation of it too. We get daily reminders by walking outside to our cold car. Exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, just having it be dark at five and being like, okay, and putting the fireplace on and sitting more in darkness. And And sensing by their neighbors because you don't really see them much. That's such a joke on our street. And I'm sure everybody has this is that it's like, we don't see each other. See in three months. Like goodbye. Or when we pull up, we wave, you know, it's like everybody disappears. But see, I think that's important too. And I know a lot of us are like, but I like this. So I'm going to have this all the time, all the time, all the time. And you know what? I'm not even going to judge that because I'm just going to talk about me. Like, I'm not going to say, here's a right way to do it. I'm going to just say that I believe the darkness is an essential part of holidays. It's an essential part of change. It's an essential part of the seasons and nature. I think that we try to stay, and and even it's interesting because um, Barbara Brown Taylor, who wrote a book about darkness, Mm. and actually, what was her book called? Learning to Walk in the Dark. Okay. She's she's written more than just that, but she's kind of the person who I think a lot of people turn to um, regarding the necessity of darkness. She's actually um, a Christian writer. Okay. So she she relates it to the Bible, and she relates it a lot to how the Bible really isn't helpful in this regard, because they're like, go to the light, go to the light. Everything is like, run from the darkness yeah. or be saved from the darkness. And she, in her own life experience and studying other versions of religion and other versions of spirituality, this is what I like about her is that she, you know, Christianity is what makes her feel at home, but she's done all this investigation of all these other religions and spiritual and just nature and how it works. And she recognizes that darkness is essential. I mean, from the very, you know, let's just start from the very beginning. We were just talking with our friends, uh, Scott and Lara about this. Like we come from darkness. When a baby is growing in the womb. It's dark in there. It's dark in there, man. Relatively quiet. You need that darkness. To grow. To grow. Yeah. And you need that, like, you know, there is, that's, or when you plant a seed under the ground, that's darkness for that seed. It needs to be under the ground because that's where everything starts to grow and that's where everything stems from. So we've given darkness a bad rap. 
You know, we've been like dark is bad, light can, is good. And can you define in uh, in your example sure. what the darkness like in your life is? Is darkness sadness? Is it what is the darkness? Sure, and and this is where it gets a little um, where you've kind of got to you know hold hold tight as I talk about this because it gets a little um, you got to look at it from all different dimensions. So absolutely, sadness, maybe anger, maybe depression. Um, be a dark night of the soul. Mm. Like there's a downward feel low with dark, energy. low. Yet, what happens in that low energy state? Like for you know, you and I talk about depression a lot, and a lot of people either chronically suffer from depression or have had a depression in their lives or a depressive experience. Sure. Right? What depression is really doing in your body is whatever's going on, whatever you're doing, whatever your thoughts have been, whatever pattern you're running, if it be like you're, you know, working too hard or running too hard or, you know, focusing on the things that don't align with who you really are. Depression like says stop. Yeah. And what it does is it slows down your entire system. You can view it as a gift. Correct. Which is really hard to hear. It is. Personally, having gone through some depressions, that's not something that helps in the moment. Yes. FYI yeah, for everybody, so you know. <laughs> that's not going to help a depressed person jump out of it, yes. okay? But in hindsight, the way that if we know that ahead of time, that when our body is shutting down, it's saying, stop it. Mm. You know, whatever that stop it means. But that feeling is uncomfortable. Oh, it's horrible. It's, it can be It can be hopeless. It can feel um, sad, alone. alone, lonely, and that's and that is why darkness can get a bad rap. But the big but is, is this is where you have to stay with me. What does that do when you're depressed? If if you get the support that you need yeah. and you start to learn new things, you almost die to yourself. And I don't mean you die literally. I don't mean you have a physical death. But a lot of things start to you strip them away. It's like when you get to that dark place, it's like being like born Mm -hmm. anew, like where you say, wait a second, this thing that used to matter to me doesn't matter to me. Or maybe a relationship ended and that's why you're feeling depressed. This relationship is gone. I'm no longer a person in a relationship. This job that I lost, I'm no longer in this. And there is a kind of cocooning that you need to do to break out and find a new way. Like there is... The darkness is essential to become mm-hmm. who you're supposed to be next. Like one of my um, one experience that I think can be really not great for us is what I have come to know as spiritual bypassing, right? Which is where we have a negative experience and we decide to stay in the light about it, right? To not cocoon about it, to not deeply feel about it or to maybe have a really good cry or a really good month of having heaviness. And instead we just try and jump over it. We try and be like, you know what? Skip it. I'm going to, yes, this has happened to me, but I'm going to look at this from the bright side and I'm just going to jump right over it. Now, for those of you, when it's small things, I think that's great. You know, like if it's like, oh, you know, I got a a fender bender, you know what? I'm going to get over that. I'm going to choose not to... Yeah, to to go into the deep dark yeah, place yeah. about this. Like there is a uh, spectrum here. Yes, right. But when something has really changed, and some, and for me, uh, a couple of the depressions that I went through, I I couldn't explain them. Like yeah. it wasn't like I had gone through a divorce mm-hmm. or I had gone through you know something s- specific. I couldn't quite I couldn't quite recognize why now. 
Like, why, why this? Like, I couldn't find an environmental factor. But the truth was, I think it was an accumulation where yeah. my body finally said, stop. Yeah. Well, and uh, we just had a men's group about this, and one of the guys did a pretty significant share. And I think the word he used was envelops. Yes. Like, the, the sadness, the, the depression. just you. It's not something that, that you... That's in your brain. It 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 takes over. It it's, it's all encompassing. Yes, and see see here's why we have to like kind of play not play with the language but look at it from different perspectives because when you take it face value almost like one dimensional who wants that mm-hmm. who wants to be enveloped by darkness yeah. like who's like yay I'm gonna learn something like there's nothing enjoyable about that mm-hmm. but the looking around it in a 3D way, or if you're supported, it might be a part of what has to happen to die to a belief you used to have or a way you used to view yourself. Because it's a a surrender of something that was maybe never true to begin with. Do you know what I mean? I do. And and I want to go one more direction with it, and then I want to... I know you're going to say something about it too, and I won't veer sure. off of this too much. Sure. But I also want to, like for me, and I've already had one Christmas without my dad, and we've had four Christmases without your mom. Yeah. But I, ref- I, it's not that I refuse, but every Christmas for me, every holiday, my dad's birthday, um, he's not here. And I don't want to pretend or jump over the fact that he's not here. Like, because for 45, 46 years, I had Christmas with my dad. Mm. So there is a darkness, a grief, a a hanging over the holiday for me. I mean, especially, and I know that you can kind of move forward and you're not, you don't get as introspective about this as I do. But, you know, Christmas for your mother. Oh, yeah. Started at Halloween. She... I mean, not only did she decorate her house like it was so gorgeous and she took months doing it. Sharon, my mother-in-law, was one of those people who if someone didn't have somewhere to go on Christmas, she would say, come to my house. Yeah. There'd be random people show up. Random I said, who's people. this? Oh, well, they didn't have anywhere they didn't, to Oh, go. they're the neighbor. Oh, the neighbor's son. Yeah. Are they with the neighbors? No, just uh-huh. the son. Yeah. Like she was a, a light mm-hmm. in people's dark. Mm-hmm. She you know, was. She wouldn't allow people. Do you want to know why, Todd? Because yeah. your mom had a lot of darkness in her life before. Yeah. And she knew what that was like. So that darkness. Well, she transformed that darkness it. into light. That's ex- And that's, and she couldn't have understood the pain of the neighbor's kid mm-hmm. if she hadn't had that experience that he did. It broke her open to see people differently. This is why darkness is sometimes what makes us light. Yes. Yeah. And so even though for those of you who are listening to this right now who are feeling in a chronic depression or feeling horrible or like enveloped, I know this may not... I don't in any way, I'm not saying to you, enjoy it or yeah. you'll, or you'll appreciate it. I, I, you're in it and I've been there before and I know my words aren't going to change it. What I will say to you is that in that, in the midst of that depression, if you can do something you haven't done before, yeah. maybe like reach out to somebody and tell them what you're feeling, like at your men's group, yeah. um, maybe decide to go to a class that feels too like a yoga class or to meditate or to pray or to journal or to do something that you're like, I don't think it'll help, but to try it Mm -hmm. or to get therapeutic intervention, meaning find a therapist. And maybe you're like, well, I'm doing that. It's not working. We'll just keep doing it. Keep like my, like the, the darkness, it, it doesn't always end when we want it to. Yeah. But meaning, you know, like we don't get to say, okay, today, I'm done with this. You want to make God laugh? 
Tell them your plans. Tell them your plan. So go ahead. So, so um, there's a five and a half minute clip that I'm not going to play the whole part of, but it's a it's a Wayne Dyer on stage, and it's called "Learning to Die While You're Alive." Yes, good. Um, I'm just going to tease it for you. Kathy and I have both seen this special before, and he's one of our favorite teachers. And I'm just, I don't even know what he's about to say other than that's the title of the YouTube clip. But if after 30 seconds you like what he has to say, scroll to the show notes on your phone right now and just click on the link and you'll be able to listen to Wayne Dyer talk for five and a half minutes about this very topic. Great. So, Poet T.S. Eliot once said, we shall not cease from exploration. And at the end of all of our exploring, will be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time, for the first time. What, what I'm asking you to do and what Lao Tzu seemed to be saying was learn to die while you're alive because you will ultimately return. All of us have a return trip, a, a round trip ticket when we came in, didn't we? <laughs> but if you could learn to die while you're alive, and there's a great story. I, I have to tell you this story. I want to read this story to you. It's um, a way to look at this idea of dying while you're alive. It's, uh, it's All right. So if you want to hear that story, just click on that, uh, on that link. Um, I just, I love Wayne and I remember him. I remember struggling with that idea. Like, yes. what do you mean learning to die? And I still don't have my arms around. I think, I feel like you have your arms around that idea because you've done I've done it. You've done yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and when I say I've done it, I think you have, and again, I don't want to say, I don't want to tell you what, what, I've what done. you've done. That's right. not fair. But I have had enough experiences where something that I believed or something I believed about myself has gone so dark and had, and I had to dig my way out of it and realize it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And I've shared these stories on the show, so I'm not going to like rehash all of them, but they've been surrenders of saying I was wrong. And I have had to, we talked about this last week a little bit, let go of my foundation. We mm -hmm. talked about doubt mm -hmm. where I've had to be like, wait, I thought the world worked this way. And I judged people for this. And this is how we were supposed to be. And this is what was most important. And I had to realize that wasn't true. Mm. And that was so painful because our ideology and those like ideas and beliefs form how we walk through the world. And they give us a sense of purpose and we got this down. And then when they all fail, you have to find something else. And I don't mean find a new ideology. You have to feel who you really are, yeah. which is, and this is gets into spirituality about why am I here and who am I? And it, it's not about the things I thought it was about. And I've had to surrender to that a number of times because it didn't just happen once. And so when you say learn how to die when you're, when you're alive, it's it's letting go of a belief system. Is that a good way to kind of... Everything, yes. Like you... you oh, so there was... A, there's like an ideology or a or just a way you presented in the world that you're like this is how it should be this is who I am and some people it can be as simple as I am my job yeah. and then they lose their job yeah so who are they they died and now the the process of going through the whole thing and coming out with a sense of clarity mm -hmm. about what's really important that that necessitates darkness. Yeah. People who like jump over it and are like, well, I got to get the same job and I got to get that job back. And I, or the person who 
someone says, I want a divorce, I'm moving on, and they're like, I'm going to get that person back. Right. I'm not going to settle for this. I'm going to get that person. And again, there are times for that. Yeah, there's this times gets to stand difficult up to talk and, about. Right. And fight for and what fight you... And fight for what you love. Yeah. And I get that. But there are times when you have to die to who you used to be. Yeah. And I, even though... Now, here's what's interesting. When I'm talking about that, people may say, well, then you don't recognize the person you were in high school or you don't recognize yourself as a kid or whatever. Actually, I have greater clarity about that person. I understand why she was doing what she was doing. And why she thought Why she, she thought. thought that and how it protected her. Like, Todd, a lot of things that you do or choices that you have made, they protected you when you were a kid. Yeah. And so nothing, this is what's come so clear after a dark night of the soul or a surrendering, um, is that you have more compassion for yourself. Mm. You don't die and say, Oh my God, that person was horrible. You're like, Oh, I understand why that, you know, like for those of you who, um, have dealt with addiction and are in recovery, you look at your past self and go, wow, I understand why she or he was in so much pain and why I did what I did. Well, and yeah, in my example of that was when my parents fought, it was really upsetting. So I did what I had to do to protect myself, which meant Shut down emotionally shutting mm-hmm. down. So I'm still trying to peel that onion and I'm doing a better job of it now and I'm going to bless myself for that. But my adult brain thinks that that works now because it worked then. Correct. But what I, my awareness, my light knows that that doesn't work anymore. What I need to do is, is become vulnerable Mm -hmm. and let myself open up emotionally so I can connect with the people that I love. Um, You've been slowly over time dying to an old self. Yeah. So, but so, and I'm always waiting for this cathartic, (laughs) uh, goodwill hunting moment that simply, at least up to this point doesn't happen, but, mm-hmm. and, and there's, the changes are so slow. They I are. don't recognize them. Like, I don't remember what I was like in college, but I think it was kind of a nutty, I was bouncing off the walls. You know this. <laughs> um, I was really super silly. I think. You used humor for everything. Yeah. And I, I honestly don't remember who I was. I, 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 there's a part of me that thinks that how I am today is how I was when I was 22. And I know that that's a ridiculous statement, but I, I, I don't remember. Well, and it's interesting because this goes kind of down another path uh, about connection, but I, you know, I loved you then and you were very different as far as what you did on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's not like you were like the way you are now, but your essence, mm-hmm. like, you know, the way you felt as yeah. a person, the way I felt when I was with you, you were a good person. Yeah. And even though you may be doing this or that, and, and again, it's a roll of the dice. Like you could have, you know, because you were kind of a partier and stuff, it could have gone the wrong way. Sure. Um, but I felt like I knew you were good and, you know, like I just felt good around you. And I, I trust those. We were talking about that the other night about how, you know, when you and I got back together, there were friends of mine that were very concerned mm. because it was, they were oh, like, because I didn't treat you well. Right. Initially. And I, and I understand why they were, and that's good friends. Good friends just tell you what they feel like. They don't, they do it because they have to, to make sure that they're forthcoming. Mm. But I knew that you were good, mm. you know, like, and, and, and that doesn't, and I would say that about even people who have divorced, I'm sure they, they will say, I knew at that moment, that was what I should have been doing. Like, yeah. it's not, it's not about failure or about, 
like we were supposed to be together. That's all. And people who have been divorced, they would probably say the same thing. At that time, we were supposed to be yeah, together. Yeah, they made these great babies yep. that and we grew would together. not have come together had it, we not been together. So yeah, it's funny. I mean, this is totally tangential, but I've just been hearing a lot of stories of really healthy divorces. Yes, me too. Um, you know, there's been a few close friends of ours that are like, yeah, we're divorced, but we we're still so spend time much together, better yeah. and we're so much happier and... Um, Maybe that happened when I was a little kid, but I just always remember hearing about these nasty stories. And I know that nasty stories are still there. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, I don't know. I don't think there was as much room for it when we were younger. It was a little, it was still a little taboo. There was a lot more judgment around it. And I think culturally that has shifted. Yeah, I think it has shifted. Yeah. And I, and I think that we have a better understanding of emotional health and a sense of self and growth that's really that's what we need to do in life mm-hmm. and if you're in a in a relationship with somebody and everybody is stunted and everybody can't stand each other and there's a lot of pain the first thing is w- try to work through it yeah. because that's part of a darkness right yeah. work through that but if you get to a place where one person's doing all the work and the other person is not maybe, you know. I just remember hearing stories when I was a little kid, like, oh, they can't be in the same room. Like, I remember hearing multiple stories like that. These two people who are getting a divorce or get divorced, oh, they can't be in the same room. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I know that still happens, but I don't hear those stories Mm -hmm. nearly as much as I used to. There's greater self-awareness on the part of parents and an understanding of how that affects the children. Mm -hmm. Like, now we have, we are a generation of kids whose divorced parents, you know? Like, we now know how that feels. Like, we can, we have that, again, darkness, right? Because of that darkness of living in a home where parents couldn't be in the same room, you grow up with that and you say, I'm not going to do that. Well, Even- like my like, like my mom, like yeah. she had a lot of darkness as a child and she decided to open up her doors on Christmas and exactly. probably because she had really crappy Christmases. Like, I don't know this. I mean, I, maybe I should ask my sister because she te- seems to have more family history than I do at, my, at her disposal, but... I'm guessing her Christmases, a lot of them sucked really Mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. And she transformed it from dark to light. So what I thought was most important about this show, and again, Todd and I went all sorts of different places, but is that I think sometimes around the holidays, especially if you're listening to this on Christmas Day, is that sometimes we believe we're supposed to be in a state of ecstatic joy all Mm -hmm. the time. And that if anybody dampens the joy, then they're ruining the day and that Christmas is supposed to be filled with joy. I agree with you. Christmas is supposed to be filled with joy, but not every single second. There's times to grieve. There's times to recognize loss. There's times to think about what was. Like I still get kind of touched about my own past, like Mm -hmm. about, you know, the childhood beliefs and the, the magic and the, you know, and I still have that, you know, I don't like pretending that doesn't exist. I think that's part of the holidays. I think that's a very um, important part. I don't think the holidays are just about constant ecstatic joy. I think that it's about being willing to feel sadness, which is maybe what we call dark, because that's how we grieve and recognize and love. And that fine line between grief and love and, and sadness and joy, like, you know, We've told stories on this show before, and I hear these stories from people all the time, where being in a hospital room with someone you love while they're dying is one of the most grief-filled, sad, and joyful experiences. Yeah. Because there's nowhere else you're supposed to be. You are supposed to be with that person, and as horrible as it is, and it's not something you're like, I want to do that again. Yeah. It's not, you wouldn't choose it, but it brings this sense of, of, uh, 
alignment yeah. and awareness and um, the, I'm, I'm missing a word like where this is, give me another word about this is exactly where you're supposed to be. Like there's nowhere else you're supposed to be. Uh, you said the ones I would say it fits. You're not supposed to be anywhere else. You're in alignment. You're there's a perfection per- about it. It's purpose driven. Purpose driven, and you know, and you're not thinking about what's for dinner tonight. You know, you are present. in. You're present. You're present. Thank you. That's probably the best way to say it. So these things overlap, and I think sometimes you know, think about the yin and the yang, Todd, which is our our you know logo for Zen parenting. Half is dark, half is light, but within the light part, there's a teeny bit of dark. And within the dark part, there's a teeny bit of light. I just listened to a podcast and they talked exactly about the yin yang symbol. And I I never thought about it. Yeah. And there is just in that one symbol alone, it's years, generations of wisdom in that little symbol. Yes. It's wonderful. Half and half, and that they're dancing together. Mm-hmm. It's not literal down the center. They overlap yeah. each other because they move into each other and they flow into each other, and one is the other. And that's masculine, feminine. Yeah. It's sun, moon. Mm-hmm. It's light, dark. And that's the thing is, does everyone think the moon is scary? Because I don't. Like that's, and that's darkness. Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, I guess that's the sliver of light within the darkness. Yeah. And, but it's like being out in the stars and, you know, Barbara Brown Taylor, who I started talking about, um, her book around darkness, uh, learning to walk in the dark. She actually moved out of the city and moved into the country because she needed more darkness in her life. She, her, her biorhythms weren't working in the city because in the city we can have light all day long. Yeah. You know, you live in the grocery store, fluorescent lights, 24 hours, seven days a week. And it's funny, Rob Bell was talking on his podcast about that with, um, I can't remember who he was interviewing, um, but this week they were talking about darkness too. And he he told his story that the same one he told at our conference about how we went into that CVS and he's like, it was just so harsh on every like sense of my body, all the lights. Energetic level. Like it's 11 o'clock at night and you go in there and it's just lit up like Vegas Mm -hmm. and it's, it's it's wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Your body knows it's wrong. And so like Barbara... Well, and you go back in time when we didn't have electricity, where we were forced to embrace the darkness. Exactly. Um, Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. You 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 had to shut down. And it's funny, our biorhythms Correct. are exactly in alignment with that. Exactly. But now we can go to CVS. We just joined a health club. It's 24 hours a day. I, I can go swimming at three in the morning. I know. That's, that's not right. And we, we call it, I the word I would use is convenience. And there are times that you're so thankful, like a kid who has strep in the middle of the night. I'm so thankful for a 24 hour pharmacy, a, um, mm-hmm. you know, being coming, flying home in the middle of the night and your, your family hasn't eaten. You're so thankful for a 24 hour place to eat. So I don't want to say good, bad or judge, but that's not our natural rhythm. Yeah. And when we're doing that, when we're avoiding darkness, when we're saying, I only want to live in the bright lights of CVS, like I don't want to see any darkness yeah. that is not a, a, a nature, um, not nature filled. That is not a a balance. It's a a rhythm. It's a rhythm of life. It's against that rhythm. And so at this point in this holiday that we're having right now, you know, like it's okay if you have a good cry on Christmas, it's okay if you go sit outside and look at the stars and say, there's so much, there's so much light, but this is, there's people I miss that are no longer here. I'm frightened about this, that, or the other. Things are uncertain. Um, you can feel that. Like we have the capacity to manage both. 
So, and just to bring it back or bring it to parenting for just a moment, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, when you ask a parent, like, what do you want for your kids? You just want them to be happy. That's the light. Right. And what I've been saying to parents, um, and this probably came from you at some point, we want them to be whole human to be beings. Whole. Yeah. And whole means light and dark. Yes. Happy and sad. Yes. Hopefully there's a little more light than the dark, but what we do is we shun the dark. Exactly. So I want a life where maybe, I'm just making this up, 90% of it's light, (laughs) but 99.9% that's unrealistic. It is. And, And when you shun the light, it creates more shadow. And it's and it's like not a natural balance. Like, how do we become? I'm putting in air quotes. Happy. Sometimes happy comes from wrecking. Okay, the perfect example that I can use because your sister and I were just talking about this. When I have a migraine and I go dark for mm. a day, when I am fine the next day, my migraine is gone. I'm in ecstatic joy. You want to know why? I can see. I can stand up. I can take a shower without sitting on the ground. I am in ecstatic joy. And if you're like, oh, sorry, you know, you can't drive the car or, you know, someone canceled on you or whatever, I'd be like, that's okay. Cause I can stand up. The only reason I can feel that joy is because the darkness I felt the day before. So when we talk about happy, happy doesn't live in a vacuum. The only reason we know happy is because we know sad. Mm-hmm. So it's a constant, it's the yin and the yang. It's like a, it's like a wheel, like where one flows into the next. And the reason I'm saying this is not to say, go get sad more often. I'm saying if you get sad, Let it's it. okay. Yeah. You're not doing it wrong. Like if you get sad on Christmas or you're missing a family member or you're nervous or it's your first divorce without, you know, you don't have your kids yeah. maybe this day and you're like, this is sad and it shouldn't be. No, no, it, it can be. Well, it's funny and it's okay. because we just did that screening of I Am Evidence yeah. and I don't cry that often. If you listen to this podcast, it's few and far between, but something about that struck me as really sad. And I, it's so funny. It's been so long since I cried and I cried while talking to a group in that room. And I, Oh yes, you did. I was so, uh, it was so, it's an, it was such an interesting experience for me because I live inside my brain and not the best way. And when I started crying, I realized it was not coming from my brain. Yeah, It was was coming from my body. And there was something special about that moment where my brain usually is like, hold on. Stop. Right. Don't do this. Or you're okay. Or you're, you're okay. okay. It's just a movie. So it was. It, so it wasn't. It was not a decision that was made because, no. in my ignorance or in my judgment, I always think that when you cry, you're deciding to cry. Right. And I'm not. And you're not. Right. So think it's about, about removing blockages. Think I about guess. the story you just told me um, two days ago. Um, you were telling me about a friend of yours who saw a star is born and I don't want to give anything away, mm-hmm. but he was talking about how there's a scene and not the final scene, yeah. but oh, a yeah. scene where he recognizes what Jackson Maine is feeling. And you told me that scene, it, you said there's this scene and my body, I completely started to break down. Yeah. Not because I thought about the movie, but because I know that feeling yeah. and my body, I wasn't like, I was able to kind of, my body cried. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember that? Because I, exactly I was surprised what, yeah. I started crying and I didn't want to be like, oh, sorry, I'm crying. But that did not come from my head. Yeah. Like when you said it's a that. pretty emotional scene. It is. And it, it went over my head. 
right? Because it's not the scene. In Those the of moment. you who have seen it, we're not going to ruin anything. We're not talking it's about not that the scene. scene you're thinking we're talking about, about the scene right before, before that scene, right? <laughs> and a lot of people are like, "What, what? are you guys talking about?" <laughs> but for those of you who know what we're talking about, mm-hmm. it's going to be impactful. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, and that's the same thing. Like your body cried, my body cried, and then I kind of pulled it together. In but it's like we can we let our body do that because yeah. our body is feeling something. A couple of weeks ago, when we did a show about the song "The Joke" mm-hmm. by Brandy Carlisle, you said the exact same thing. You said I couldn't even. I didn't understand the song yet. I, I didn't. My body knew before your body my brain knew did. Your brain, and that's always that's happening always. Body intelligence, exactly. And so again, what we were talking about with depression—that's your body saying. Your brain's not saying, "Hey, do this or do that." Your body's saying, "I'm shutting you down. Yeah, I'm putting you on low power. I'm mode. in charge. Yes, I am low battery mode because you need to either get some sleep or to get some help or to tell someone how you feel or to admit to what you did or you know what I mean. Yeah. like it's telling you, I'm helping you. Yeah. And so I want to read a quote um, from Barbara Brown Taylor uh, that I thought was, it's basically wrapping up what we, we were just saying. She said, while the postcards and commercials and holiday films are nice, they are not accurate, all-encompassing depictions. It may be, quote unquote, the most wonderful time of the year at one moment, but the joy can quickly shift to pain without warning. Allow yourself to grieve. Grant yourself permission to feel the full range of emotions common to this time. Mm. And I want to kind of, for those of you, because I know parents listen to the show, Zen Parenting Radio, think about when you're about to have a baby and everyone's like, it's going to be so great. And it's going to be so great. And aren't you just so excited? And then you have that baby and everyone's like, aren't you so happy? And every card is like, it's the most beautiful thing. And now you have the beauty in your life and you are miserable. Not because you don't love the baby. You're going to be miserable and love the baby. Not because you don't want to be a parent. Not because you're regretting your choice, but you are ecstatic and miserable at the same time. That was a darkness that I had to go through, one of the many, where I was like, this kind of sucks, but I'm more in love than I've ever been. So it's very confusing. Yeah. Like I would, there's this song that I still can't listen to. Um, and it was, it was a CD that we had in JC's uh, bassinet and I would be so exhausted, nursing, didn't know what I was doing, first baby, and I'd put her in her swaddle, put her in the bassinet, and we would play that CD. I could sob right now. The music, talk about a body sob. Was it the lullaby one? Yes. And I would be like, this is a feeling I have never had. And it wasn't romantic love like I'd I'd had with you. It was a different kind of love. It was, this is for life. You're in this forever. And that has its own grieving, right? Yeah. It's not about you anymore. Yeah. Grief. And... But it was also elation because now I had a connection I had never had. So do you see how we live in this vacillation constantly, but we want to pretend it's all light or we'll have pain and we'll be like, I'm going to jump over it. It's okay to have both. Well, and the other reminder, and we've talked about this on the show before, and I think I got this from Richard Rohr, the three processes is order, which means everything's fine. Disorder, mm-hmm. which means everything falls apart, and reorder, Beautiful. which means you bring it back together. Right. What we do is we jump over the middle one. Yes. We go from order to reorder. Like, okay, yes. I got it. Right. No, you got to sit in then in that disorder. Right. Maybe it's for a, a minute. Maybe it's for a day. Maybe it's for a week. Maybe it's for a month. Maybe it's for a month. Yeah. But we can't jump over it. Right. Now, but we can move through it, meaning that when I have been, you know, I've maybe shared this before, but when I have had depressions or like a dying to myself, um, one thing that really helped me was ironically, Matthew McConaughey, 
saying, just keep living. All right, just all keep, right, all right. <laughs> keep getting up, Kathy. Keep living. And I was still in pain. I was still struggling, but I had to keep moving my feet. But I was honest. I'm still, like, I would just stop and cry, or I'd go see my therapist, or, you know, like, there was... I still did the things I had to do, but I also was like, I have to keep moving, just keep living. And through that process, so this is interesting too, because people are like, I thought you said darkness, you get, you know, you get quiet, you do, but you also have to keep moving. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to keep looking for the light. Well, and you used a mantra, JKL or yeah, 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 just just keep keep living. So in closing, I do want to thank uh, our partner this week, Todd Adams Coaching, sweetie. (laughs) Because um, I really want to fill up my calendar in January and February and, co- and coach guys. So here's the thing. Um, guys, if you're out there and you want clarity on purpose and setting your goals, I can help. If you want a better relationship with your spouse or your kids, I can help. And If, if you, you just want someone to talk to who ac- understands. Accountability and support, I can help. Yeah. First session's free. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. I want to begin the new year with some wonderful connections with other guys working through their stuff. Mm. I'm here for you. Um, so any and listen to next week's podcast. It's going to be a special one. It's going to be a deeper dive on Team Zen. Um, and can I do one more quote as we're sure, closing? Sure, go ahead. And this is kind of for those of you who may And I'm going to play uh, a Christmas song at low um, while you're saying your okay, quote. Okay, go ahead. So for those of you, first of all, Merry Christmas to everybody. And there is so much light. And I know sometimes we struggle with things going on in the world and, um, you know, what we see and the heaviness and the, you know, at the same time, within the darkness, there is light. And within the darkness, there is learning. Um, For those of you who are, you know, having this Christmas without someone you love, um, whoever it may be, um, Anne Lamott wrote something that I thought was really helpful, and I just love her language. She says, you will lose someone you can't live without. They live forever in your broken heart that doesn't seal back up, and you come through. It's like having a broken leg that never heals perfectly. That still hurts when the weather gets cold, but you learn to dance with the limp. So they're forever with you. Um, it's just different, and and it's okay to feel the joy of people you miss and remember them. And it's also okay to feel the pain that they're not here. It's it you're you're good. We're all doing okay, and we're all the same. We've all this is human. So be human today. Be human. Merry Christmas.
listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios.